episode number 111. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor-Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. Earlier this week, I received an email from a podcast listener with a question, and I decided rather than answering her individually, I would answer her question on the podcast. And I asked her for her permission to do so, explaining that I'm confident that she's not alone in her question, and that by answering her on the podcast, I could also help others as well. But before we get into her question and my response, I just want to mention two quick things. One is that I haven't received an iTunes review yet for this month. We are in June of 2019, which means one of two things. One, if you leave me a review between now and the end of the month, there's going to be a good chance that you will win a deck of consideration cards. Or two, if I don't receive a review this month, I will gift a deck to someone who has left me a review in the recent past. So if you have left a review and you haven't been gifted a deck of cards yet, then definitely be sure to tune in to the last Tuesday of this month and the last Tuesday of every month. The second thing that I wanted to remind you of is that I will be co-facilitating two retreats this summer, one in Israel on Thursday, July 4th, and one in New Jersey on Sunday, August 4th. Spots are filling up, so if you would like to jump on this opportunity to spend an entire day with me and my co-facilitator, Netta Cohen, where we will be focusing on reawakening joy, then definitely email me ASAP before all of the spots are taken. Okay, so let me read to you this email that I received from a woman named Sarah. She wrote, Stuck on the stuck method. Shira, I am newly working with a recent graduate of your Getting Unstuck coach training program. I am benefiting from your approach and I'm looking carefully at situations in my life as well as your life examples. I see some strong similarities in that our husbands are our main triggers. I hope you will take my questions with the spirit I am asking them, and I apologize in advance if my wording doesn't feel quite right. When I listen to a number of the podcasts, with the most recent one being The Ways Story, episode number 109, I wanted to inquire about the following. Where is the place for your needs to be heard when articulated? Is there a place for self-respect for your own needs in the moments of the situation? How about lessons that are being seen by your children as it relates to two adults and one self-advocating in a reasonable manner, certainly in the beginning, but not being considered? In the Wade story, I can relate as I have a similar feeling being a passenger who in my 20s was hit by a large truck on the New Jersey Turnpike. To this day, my body reacts, but sometimes hitting the brake when my husband is getting too close to the next vehicle on the highway. It never happens off the highway. My husband understands from my explaining to him how I feel and how I have been impacted. 
when I heard your story, you expressed your needs the first time, and then a second time. It was only the third time that you later reflected that you got upset. I'm scratching my head here wondering about honoring in the moment your anxiety about driving and accidents. The expressed anxiety in this instance is not imagined completely. It's not a phobia. There is a safety basis around what you were concerned about. What have your children learned in this instance? Do boys learn one thing about behavior from a father's driving and your daughters learn another thing? I heard an Israeli study years ago that boys drive like their dads and daughters drive like their moms, regardless of who taught them how to drive. That finding may apply to more than just driving, if you know what I mean. I can see that in many stories that you own your own stuff. That is amazing, and I am moving in that direction. What is hard for me is that our husbands are not store clerks that we may see only periodically. And when it comes to ongoing relationships, I feel that there is a place for renegotiating aspects of the relationship. The story of you locking yourself out of the house was not at all about him driving or elements in life that involve communication, ongoing or in advance. The dental appointment with the car, I'm wondering about communication. Am I stuck on that? I value it tremendously. I would want my children to learn directly, as well as through examples, that being helpful is wonderful. And communication is an important element of relationships too. So I'm struggling with the relational aspect of the stuck method. When to advocate and communicate from the other person? Is there a place for it? How might that look? Again, I do identify with lots of your stories and I'm also in marriage therapy with my husband as we learn our dance. I look forward to your reflections on this and getting unstuck with you. Okay, great. So first of all, Sarah, thank you for emailing me. You ask really great questions and you are not the first to ask me such questions. In fact, when I was on my book tour and I shared one specific story from my book about my husband and kids not acknowledging me at the dinner table, and there were opportunities at the end of my presentations for questions, time after time people asked me, why didn't you ask them to acknowledge you? Why didn't you teach your kids that is the right way to behave? And each and every time I responded with the same answer, because that's not what getting unstuck is about. It's not about me teaching others how I want them to behave. It's about me taking responsibility in that moment for how I'm feeling and the power I have to change my feelings in any moment. This work of getting unstuck is about you. It's not about your husband. It's not about your boss, it's not about your neighbor, your children, your parents, or your friends. It's about you. And when I do this work on me, it's about me. It's not about me trying to change my husband or create rules for him to live by, rules that I believe in my heart. If he would just follow them, that would make me really happy. It's not about that. In my life, it's about me taking an honest look at my own life 
how I'm showing up, how I'm acting, how I'm behaving, where I can improve as a human being, and how I can take responsibility for everything I think, do, and say. I can't change my husband. Believe me, I have tried. (laughs) Not only can I not change him, it's not my job to do so. And it's not his job to change me or to even try to change me. It just isn't. If I try to change my husband, like I said, I've tried in the past, then I only set myself up for failure. I can't change him. And to be honest, working on myself is hard enough. I'm not a perfect wife or a perfect mother or a perfect daughter or a perfect friend. How in the world could I possibly consider taking on another job of changing someone else? So, Sarah, I would like to answer your questions, and I would like to do so in the form of another story that just happened a couple of days ago. So, I teach a yoga class twice a week in my community, one of which is on Friday mornings. And recently, my husband and I did a small renovation in our house, and we turned our basement into a small yoga studio. And this part of the house doesn't have any access from the main part of the house. The only way to enter is from the outside. So on Friday morning, my husband asked if I was teaching yoga, and I said yes. And he said he would like to join, and I said great. And I told him the class starts at 8.30 and that I start on time. He told me he was going to go for a run and that he planned to be at the class on time. Great. So around eight o'clock, I head downstairs and start to prepare the studio. It needed some sweeping and even a little bit of light mopping. It's hardwood floors. And I dusted the windows and I put out a rug at the entrance to remind my students to remove their shoes before entering. When I finished, I looked at my watch. I still had 15 minutes before my students would arrive. So I rolled out my mat and I decided to sit in meditation. And actually, it wasn't just a meditation where you sit in silence and you notice your breath and you notice your thoughts, which is one kind of meditation that I practice. But on that Friday, I was actually practicing a practice related to the work we are doing on the group program that I lead called The Journey. And what I was doing was saying mantras to myself in my mind. And I had three that I was saying with each exhalation of which two of them were, I am calm, and I am slow moving. And I was saying those two mantras and one more in my head, over and over and over. I am calm. I am slow moving. I am calm. I am, boom! the door to the yoga studio opens. And as you can imagine, I was shocked back into reality. I honestly thought in that moment with the strong sound and the rush of the door opening that it was like a burglar. But of course, now that I think about it, that doesn't make sense because burglars would come in quietly, right? Wouldn't they? Anyway, the point being, I wasn't expecting anyone to come in at that moment, and certainly not in that fashion. And there he was, standing inside the studio that I had just cleaned, 
with his dirty shoes after he went on his run and dripping sweat onto the floor. And the first thing he says to me was, you locked me out of the house. You didn't leave me a key. Now, I'm still in shock, right? (laughs) I'm like sitting in lotus position, palms faced up on my lap. And I'm like in another world. And I am like, what? Like key? I wasn't even asked to leave a key. I'm thinking this to myself. So he says again, can I just have the key? I need to shower. And whatever else he said, I can't remember anything else he said at this moment, to be honest. So he was stuck, right? He was so stuck. To me, that was so obvious. He was stressed. He was rushed. He was mad at me for not leaving him a key, even though he didn't ask me to leave him a key. And I was practicing calm and slow moving, right? The irony. And all I could see were his dirty shoes and his dripping sweat and his demanding voice. And my response to him was, you're dripping sweat and you have dirty shoes on after I just cleaned up the studio. Can you please step outside and I'll bring you the keys? And he said, just give me the keys. And he stood there relentlessly. And I was practicing calm and slow moving. And I repeated calmly and slowly, you're dripping sweat, your shoes are dirty, and I just cleaned up the studio. Can you please step outside and I will bring you the keys? And he did. Not happily, of course, but he did because he realized I wasn't budging. And as I fished for my keys and started to walk to the door, he yells, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Why couldn't you just give me the keys? And I replied, you don't understand? Would you like me to explain? But he didn't. He just wanted the keys. So he took them and he went up to the house to do what he needed to do. And he returned to the studio at 8.30 for the class. Now, after he left, I was left with this situation, right? I'm thinking to myself, what the heck just happened here? And why? And I totally could have gone into he doesn't respect me, he's rude, he's insensitive, he doesn't care, blah, 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 blah. But I didn't want to get stuck on that. And I had a class to teach in less than 10 minutes. And I wanted to be clear for the class. So I got myself unstuck. S, I took a breath. T, I told myself I was stuck on anger. I don't really know if that was the emotion I was stuck on. But in that moment, I was really pissed. I did nothing at all to deserve that behavior. I mean, nothing. I was actually so mad at that moment. I stood up and I just screamed like a long, but like really loud. I just like let it out and it felt really good to allow myself to express that emotion. You, I uncovered that I believe he shouldn't barge into my space like that and that I believe he has no respect at all for me and all the things that I already mentioned. But my mind quickly negated those things because I've thought them so many times before and so many times I've recognized that they're either not true or I don't know for sure that they're true. And so I went on to see and basically said to myself, consider he's stuck because he was, right? He was rushing, he was stressed, and he didn't like my calm response to his demanding requests. 
That was his story, not mine. I had nothing to do with how he was reacting. And for me, it was as simple as that. And that enabled me to just move on. My students came in a few minutes later. He arrived on time at 8.30. We didn't exchange any words. I treated him exactly how I treated every other student. And as far as I was concerned, everything was fine. During the opening meditation of the class, I held myself in compassion for getting stuck on anger, even though it was short-lasting. Now, I'll share more of the story in a moment, but up until this moment, the point of me sharing this story is to illustrate this getting unstuck process was mine and not his. Now, that's not to say he didn't have a story to work through. I believe he absolutely did. But whether he had a story or not, or whether he wanted to process through that or not, was his story. It's not mine, and it's not my business. Would I have liked him to have spoken to me differently, walked into the studio differently? You know, on the one hand, of course I would have. Wouldn't everyone like to be spoken in a calm, relaxed tone? On the other hand, Every time something like this comes up between us, I actually learn something more about me. And I also have opportunities to practice putting my intentions into reality. So Sarah, you asked, where is the place for your needs to be heard when articulated? Is there a place for self-respect for your own needs in the moments of the situation? So my belief is that in a stuck moment, as I already mentioned, it's for the individual to do the work. If the person tries to state his or her needs or demands self-respect in that moment, most likely, from my experience, the conversation isn't going to go well. It can't. Why? Because two people who are both stuck, they can't hear one another because each person believes that they are right in that moment. So what's the point in trying to teach them how to be? They believe they're right, right? They believe they don't have to change. They're not going to hear you. So in my opinion, if you want to have a conversation with someone that is involved in your stuck story, it really can only be after you get unstuck. And after you're really, really clear that you're not stuck. And what does that mean? I guess it's like a combination of things, like you have a greater understanding of the situation, or perhaps you understand the other person's side of the story. It probably incorporates the fact that you're more calm and that you accept the situation that happened because you can't change the past. And that, yes, you have a sense of respect both towards the other person and towards yourself. So in my situation, while I didn't feel stuck after I got myself unstuck, I did feel that my husband was still upset. So I didn't approach him later on in the day until I felt like he was ready to speak. I mean, the truth is I didn't even have much to say. The only thing I wanted to say to him was a simple request like, The next time you go out of the house, whether you go running or you visit a neighbor or you go to work, that you take responsibility for taking a key, 
rather than expecting me to do so and then blaming me for not having done so. And by the way, that's exactly what I did. I didn't yell at him for his actions. I didn't blame him for interrupting my meditation. I didn't get upset that I had to clean up the floor for the second time that morning. I just kept it really even keel. And when I brought that up, which I did in a very calm, non-judgmental, non-whiny kind of way, my husband responded, you're right, I'm sorry. Which was great, of course. And had he not responded that way, and had he continued to blame me or whatever, then we would have had to have a discussion around that to get clarity, because obviously there was some disconnect that we would need to heal. But that's not what happened. And actually what did happen was that we had another conversation about what happened later that day. And what I got from that conversation was something I hadn't expected. We kind of reviewed what happened step by step to see what kind of understanding we could get from it. So I started with, I was meditating and you barged into the room. And his response was like, well, maybe it felt like I barged in because you were meditating, but I didn't barge into the room. Okay, so I accepted that. And then I said, you got angry because I didn't leave you a key. And he said, I didn't get angry because you didn't leave me a key. I got angry when you didn't hand me the keys. I was being practical and you were just sitting there. Interesting. And I said to him, you weren't angry with me? I just wanted confirmation on that. And he said, no, I was just rushing. I wasn't angry. And then he said something really interesting. He said, you were stuck, not me. And I laughed out loud. I was stuck? How was I stuck? And he said, because you didn't give me the keys. You were probably thinking that I was being rude or I was being insensitive or whatever you think about me. You were stuck on that. And instead of just handing me the keys and being really practical, You had to do this whole song and dance about me stepping outside and having to wait for you to get up and find the keys and bring them to the door instead of just handing them to me. You were totally stuck. Wow. And you know what? Of course, I hadn't thought of it like that. And maybe there is some truth to that. And maybe while I think I was totally unstuck, Maybe I was still slightly holding on to pissed off, which is why I demanded him to behave the way I wanted, just like he was demanding me to behave the way he wanted. I hadn't seen that before. And we both acknowledged that there were parts to the story that were factual and that the rest was story. He had his and I had mine. And that was a really interesting reflection for me. That being said, would I have done anything different the next time? I don't think so. And I told him that. I told him it had nothing to do with him. I said that anyone who would have walked in like that, I would have done the same thing. I would have asked them to walk out and wait for me to bring them the keys. But if I'm being really honest, I would really need to think about what I just said. If my best friend walked in like that, which of course I can't imagine her doing, but let's say she did, and then she blamed me for something which I didn't do, which 
she also probably wouldn't do, but let's say that that's what happened. Would I have directed her outside and told her I would bring her the keys? Or would I have just gotten up and handed them to her? If I'm being 100% honest, I'm thinking I probably would have just gotten up and handed them to her. I don't know. You know, maybe I would just be understanding that something strange came up and it was out of the normal and she needs something and the best thing in this moment for me to do is to hand over the keys. I don't know. It's hard to know. But of course, I didn't do that with my husband because I have years of experience of him showing up in ways that I guess have disappointed me. So yeah, while I think I handled the situation amazingly well in the moment, I am not sure that I wasn't totally unstuck. And it's not to say that what he did was okay. I'm not condoning his behavior. But remember, working with getting unstuck is always about the individual. It's not about him. So regarding the ways story, episode number 109, my need in that story was for my husband to put the phone down while he was driving, and he wasn't doing it. And for me personally, which I know doesn't represent everyone, is that I really didn't need for him to put the phone down. I wanted him to. I wanted to feel safe. I wanted for him to be driving legally. I actually wasn't in fear of a car accident like you, Sarah, expressed from your trauma that you've had in the past. And that's why I didn't scream for him to pull over, which I could have had I had that strong enough need. And which is why I just waited to speak with him because there was nothing else that was working in that moment. And Sarah, you also asked about honoring an emotion in the moment, like anxiety. And I would answer, yes, absolutely. That is actually a part of the stuck method. And I illustrated that in my story today, right? How I let out the scream. In the T-step, you're not only telling yourself what you're stuck on, you're allowing yourself to feel it. Not act on it, but feel it. Whether it's noticing that in your body or letting out a scream, if that's appropriate, or any other way. So yes, I have never advocated for and will never advocate for denying your emotions when you're in a stuck spot. I happen to think that the people closest to us in our lives are our greatest teachers. While I have a tendency to want for my husband to be my greatest student, what I have learned over the years is that what I should be considering is that my husband can actually be my greatest teacher. Now you may be thinking, what? (laughs) But it's really true. I'm certainly not saying it's his behavior that I should be modeling. I'm not saying that by any means. What I am saying is that he is a reflection of me. And also you may be thinking, no way, Shira, he is not. But I do believe the truth in that. I believe he totally disrespected me, right? But if you look closely at the story, that's exactly how I was being towards him after he walked in. I could have seen his stress. I could have seen his frustration. I could have gotten up and handed him the keys and been done with the story, but I didn't. 
yes, I would like my studio to look and feel a certain way, but I've only been in that studio for a couple of weeks now, and he and I never had a conversation about rules. He just came in to get keys. He was stressed. And one could say that I disrespected him in the way I spoke, the way I looked at him, the way I felt inside. It came from a place of disrespect. I could have chosen another way, and I didn't. And what's so amazing about relationships like this is that actually it's because of his actions or his behaviors or how he shows up in my life that I actually have an opportunity to grow. Without these stuck stories, most of whom incorporate my husband, I'm not really challenged to grow or learn. I urge you to look into your life and see where that may be true. Where are the people closest to you in your life? Where can they be seen as your greatest teacher? It's actually what you wrote, Sarah, that our husbands are not store clerks that we see periodically. That's exactly the point. That's why they are our greatest teachers. For example, I don't think any of my yoga students would ever walk into my yoga studio like the way my husband did, ever. And so when they walk in, I don't have to practice calm and slow moving because there's no challenge. The challenge comes when someone else in my life that isn't being that way, and I'm challenged to not be affected by it. I'm challenged to accept what is in that moment. That's the true challenge and the real opportunity. My kids, by the way, it's the same story. They challenge me in so many ways, and it's because of the stuck spots I get in with them that I'm challenged to become a better mother, and I am. Day by day, I really see it. And regarding what lessons my kids are getting when they see me asking for something and my husband isn't responding to my needs, I can't know for sure because I'm not inside their brains. But what I can say is, is that my hope is my children will learn from me how not to react automatically, how to pause, how to regain my composure, how to get unstuck, and how to take care of myself no matter what difficult situation there is. My kids are going to be in situations like that in their lives for sure. And I do believe that they are learning from my work of getting unstuck. And beyond that, they also see the conversations that my husband and I have after some time has passed. And we're a bit both a little bit more clear and we can handle a conversation because we either are less stuck or we're totally unstuck. And seeing that conversation is a huge learning lesson for my kids. My husband and I typically have those conversations in public areas of the house because we too value communication and we want our kids to learn from our examples so that they can observe us working through it and hugging at the end of every conversation. 
Like, for example, when we were both a little less stuck and able to talk through this, I requested that he not walk into the studio with shoes on, especially when he sees I put out a rug at the entrance for the shoes to be taken off, and he heard me. You know, sometimes it takes that one situation, or two, or three, to go wrong in order for people to learn a better or more beneficial way. That's how we learn from these failures. I almost believe there's no other way. But again, I really only believe these conversations will be beneficial if both people have done their work, which unfortunately, I think, usually isn't the case. In my professional experience, what I see is it's usually one person that's doing the work, or neither, but it's usually not both. And then what do you do in such a situation? And I still would say, focus on yourself. Because you're not placed on this earth to be your husband's teacher. If anything at all, he was placed in your life to be your teacher. And I would start by looking at what you can learn about yourself, not from what your husband says or how he behaves, but by what you are thinking about him and the meaning you place on the things he says and does. That is where I would start. And I wouldn't stop until there are no more stuck spots that arise from your husband, because I do believe those stuck spots are there for you to learn something. Your husband is there in your life to teach you something. And until you learn it, he's going to show up in all of the ways that you don't like time and time again. My husband and I have never been in marriage therapy, so I can't speak to that, Sarah. But what I can say is that if the approach of your therapy is based on telling each other what your needs are and expecting the other person to fulfill your needs, I personally would be very wary of that approach. And that's just my personal opinion. I am not for or against marriage therapy. I'm just saying, if you go into therapy expecting to be able to change him, or if he goes into therapy expecting to change you, you may want to think twice about that approach because it may just set you up for failure because ultimately neither of you have control over the other person. And that, by the way, is exactly the basis of the group program I lead, the Getting Unstuck and Living Deliberately journey. Each and every participant on this journey is on his or her own path, learning what they need to learn in this moment of their lives and not what they can expect from other people. We practice waking up, of course, figuratively, not literally, And we practice noticing how we are showing up in the world and how and where we can practice showing up in the world in more beneficial ways. But it's not about learning how to change others. It's about learning how to become a better human being. And when we can do that, the world around us, I firmly believe, begins to shift. So thank you, dear Sarah, for sending me your questions. I hope my response was helpful. 
I really want to thank you for giving me permission to share this on the podcast. I'm confident that the listeners will gain from your questions and my responses to them. I would love to hear feedback from you, Sarah, and any of the other listeners who tuned into this particular podcast. You can do that via email, or you can leave me an iTunes review, which will automatically enter you into the monthly giveaway. Okay, my dear friends, I would like to wish you a wonderful rest of your week. I look forward to meeting those of you who signed up for either retreat this summer. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning in to the Getting Unstuck podcast. It is a privilege to show up each week and share a new story with you. If you would like to deepen your practice in getting unstuck in your life and in your relationships, I highly encourage you to check out the Getting Unstuck and Living Deliberately journey. It's my group program where we take the ideas of the Stuck Method and apply them to our lives in a more conscious and intentional way. Head over to my website, shiragora.com to learn more. It's one thing to know the steps to the Stuck Method. It's another thing entirely to experience this transformation for yourself. Please consider checking it out. I'll see you next week.